0: This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Dave, there's something that definitely gets my heart rate up when I'm
1: fly fishing. Let me guess. It's the brisk walk into the river, or the sight of the Colombo pizza sign after a hard day (laughs) of fly fishing, or maybe driving by Sir Scott's Oasis in Manhattan,
0: Montana. Oh man, that'll do it too. Yeah, both are true, but I'm, I'm really thinking about watching a trout take a dry fly. There's really nothing like it. Now, I'm happy to catch fish on nymphs and streamers, but if I have my choice, I'll take dry fly fishing any day.
1: It's just thrilling, isn't it? Tell you what, I would agree with that, and I was just out in Colorado, and I have to tell you that I was considering working on Euro nymphing, and I just said, no, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna dry fly fish.
0: Well, I know it. Well, you fished in Colorado a week ago. I was in Montana at the same time, and so what we're going to do today is we're going to share some lessons we learned or relearned. As it relates to fly fishing, uh, Dave, what's something you learned?
1: The first is to visit the fly shop in Boulder first and obey the 20-something-year-old's recommendations. (laughs) What's that about? So we have always said, if you're going to go fly fishing, go to the local fly shop, ask around, and talk about what you should fish, where you want to fish, and just get good recommendations. And so I did that, actually. And so I stopped in Boulder. I was driving up to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and I was going to actually fish the pooter. I decided to fish in Rocky Mountain National Park. I'll talk about that in a little bit. And I wanted some stimulators. I oh, walked yeah. in and said, hey, can I have some stimulators? Because I know your brother's done really well on those in at the Fall River where we fish. And so I asked for—and I looked through my fly box. I didn't really have much. So he goes, you know, here's what I'd also recommend. He recommended these parachute flying ants, Yeah, and he was dead right, dead right. So the first lesson is just visit the fly shop, ask the question, and obey the response.
0: Oh, man, we can't say that enough. I know we talk about it a lot, and it may seem like the the pat answer when we don't know what we're talking about, (laughs) which is probably true, which is probably often, but... Oh, man, yeah, how many times has the advice of a fly shop uh, owner or fly shop guide uh, really saved our, our bacon? So we're talking about some lessons we've learned or relearned as it relates to dry fly fishing. Uh, something I learned uh, last week, again, or relearned, was get out early and late so my family and I were at a place called Clydehurst Christian Ranch, Clydehurst on the Boulder. It's south of Big Timber, Montana. Uh, back in the day, it was uh, it was actually a high end uh, dude ranch. Back in the uh, oh the huh. early nineteen hundreds, yeah, up through nineteen forty five. And I found out something this year. Uh, Al Capone actually visited there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's so awesome. uh, so uh, Al and I have been a Clyder. the Chicago connection. Yeah, I know that's right. Yeah, just a lovely one to Al have. Al Capone isn't and it? Steve Matthews. And <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, oh goodness. Well, anyway, it's become a kind of a church camp, kind of a Christian camp, and so we were there as a family. They have these family camps, and and so there's a lot of different activities. But uh, my son, my youngest son, who man, Luke, he's become a a fly fishing fool, he was up early the first morning, and he told me, he says, Dad, it's just like last year, he or the last time we were here. He said, there's a caddis hatch uh, on as soon as the sun hits the water. Now, uh, where this is, it's kind of up in this uh, kind of, it's, I don't know it's if you call it a canyon, a but yeah, it's a it's a small high mountain valley, and so you've got these big mountains on on each side of it, and so the sun doesn't hit the water until about seven thirty. And wouldn't you know it? Sure enough, seven thirty. You know, every morning. In fact, one morning, about ten minutes before the sun hit the water, boy, the caddis just start coming off. And man, we had a blast. And I've always fished that. Some of it just due to schedule, but I've always fished that mostly in the in the afternoon. And and have done fine. But I was just impressed again with how sometimes even with dry fly fishing, you know, first thing in the morning. I mean, I know you and I fished the East Gallatin once where the trico hatches were starting about, weren't they starting about 9?
1: Yes, about in the 9 morning?
0: I mean, you really had to uh, uh, be out there earlier than you think. And it was the same thing in the evening, that hour before dusk. Seems like some of the bigger uh, rainbows were, were out cruising around. And uh, well,
1: We've always talked about the 10 to 2 window, and yeah, that's true mm-hmm, in the spring right. and the yeah. fall. Yeah but i think when the temp warms up and it gets hotter in the yeah. summer getting out early and then also late now did you fish yeah. late
0: mm-hmm. i didn't much my my son did and he did he did really well i I wanted to hang out with uh, grandkids, and one night my wife and I took this four-wheeler ride, and it's kind of what we talked about before, uh, you know, fly fishing on a family vacation. Yeah. And as I, I mean, I enjoyed that. It wasn't a problem at all, but I, I just saw what he was doing in, in the evening, and, and there was another guy, too, who said, yeah, I've been catching him in the, in the evening, and yeah, it's, it's just a good reminder that, that there is, you know, something about that
1: visit the fly shop first. Yep. Second is get out early and late. The third is keep trying fly patterns until something <clears throat> works. Yeah. And this really comes from your brother, Dave. In fact, he must have been fishing the Fall River a few days after I, was, I fished it. And he sent you an email and talked about, he said, fishing went really well yesterday. I fished the Fall River above the fan, the alluvial fan, yeah. my usual spot water is really low and let me just insert here uh it was really low and and he said the fish are super spooky and i'm going to quote him now he says sometimes i had to cast standing back about 10 to 15 feet from the bank or stand behind a bush while i cast i started with my standby number 16 parachute atoms with a couple of half-hearted rises but there was nothing switch to something else nothing although there was no trout rising or though there were no trout rising, I noticed a few flying black ants on me. And so he tied on a number 16 elk hair flying black ant and bingo. Wow, just like for you, huh? Yeah, it was exactly. And he said he caught 15 or more in an hour. And one was a really nice brown, about 13 inches, which in that stream is actually big. That's a big one, And then he caught a bunch of Mm -hmm. 11-inch brookies and 7 to 10-inch. So I think the point here is keep trying something until it works. The second one is to try alternatives and and to and to take a risk and try something new so i had only an after i really only had a day in rocky mountain national park i wanted to fish the fall river but i also stopped in the fly shop at estes park and i stopped in i I was saying hey are there any other streams that i could just drop into for a you know for a quick afternoon i was still planning to fish the fall river but i wanted another option they said hey why don't you hike up the trail it's a steep hike and get up and fish the Roaring River. So I think the Roaring River comes down, yeah. and that's where the alluvial fan is okay. right? that flows yeah. into, the fa- into, fall, into the Fall River. So I hiked up. It was a dog of a hike. And wow. I, it took yep. me about, it, well, it was about a mile and a half, but it was almost, it was just all switchbacks all the way up. Mm-hmm. So I got there, and at that point, the Fall River, or it's not the Fall River, it's the Roaring River. Yeah. It's really a creek. It's really flowing swiftly wow and there's just these this little pocket water right Mm -hmm. and there's just this quick window and you can you cast your fly and really the trout has a second to two Mm -hmm. seconds to hit that fly so I fished for about a half hour or 45 minutes. There were caddis rising, and I had on an h mm-hmm. variant, which obviously is not a caddis imitation. Right. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's more of a, an attractor pattern. But really, some people even use it as a green drake imitation. But I yeah. didn't even change my fly because nothing was rising. And generally, I usually get some hits. I said, you know what? I'm just going to hike back down and, and hit the Fall River again. So I I'd, I'd hit the Fall River earlier and done pretty well. Then I took this break to hike up to the Roaring River and then came back. So my point simply is is I do think when you're out in dry fly fishing, you need to take risks and give up quickly and move on. And what, so maybe what, that's the what? lesson. Whoa,
0: whoa, 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 wait, wait. Give up quickly and move on? Dave, I'm rubbing off on you. <laughs> I'm so encouraged to hear you say that.
1: <laughs> uh, so my... <laughs> Uh, I hate to admit that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: It's such a wise comment. So, so in other words, you, you'll never harass me
1: again for moving so quickly on the river. Yeah, I have that reputation. You do have <laughs> Sorry. that reputation, but I did. I uh. I fished for forty five minutes. Yeah. I thought, you know, I could keep moving up river, or I could go back to the Fall River and catch some fish. So I did. That's exactly what I did, and had a really good second mm. round at the Fall River.
0: And now we're going to take just a moment and talk about our sponsor, Dr. Squatch Soap Company. Dave, as you know, I'm not a coffee drinker. I must have a mutant gene. You are a mutant. I know. uh, There's something strange about me. I mean, I've got a couple grandkids, little kids, who like coffee and I I don't. I never grew up. I I have a mutant gene. But my uh, pick-me-up in the morning is not a cup of coffee, it's a nice hot shower. And I really enjoy uh, showering now that I've, uh, even more, that i have using uh, Dr. Squatch soap. And uh, we've talked a little bit about the soap before. It's fantastic. Yep. But I love the shampoo, the shampoo and conditioner. Man, it is, feels great. It smells so uh, clean and fresh. And I have to confess that uh, I'm about to run out, and they, they've sent us free samples of soap. But I'm going to pay uh, my own money to get uh, another bottle of shampoo and then another bottle of conditioner. It's just worth it.
1: I'm sorry that I have now this image of you taking a shower. <laughs> uh, I really didn't want that. But uh, <sighs> we will say this, that we do love Dr. Squatch. And, hey, if you jump on the website, you can get 20% off by using the two guys promo, two guys. And just put that little uh, promo code in the, in the box in the field and, and fill up your cart with product. And I think you'll be really, really happy with Dr. Squatch. You have to try it. Once you try it, you'll go, Okay. This is the real deal. It's all natural, no harsh chemicals, and I think you'll really enjoy the soap. So go to DrSquatch.com, put in the promo code, and enjoy your shower. And now, back to our podcast.
0: Hey, here's another one, uh, something else I think I learned or relearned again, and that is don't expect a familiar fishery to fish the same.
1: Oh, that's so true.
0: You know, it really struck me this year, I didn't catch quite as many fish but they were all larger i mean the, the boulder river is uh i mean it's kind of like a large creek uh, maybe maybe down in the valley it's a smaller river but it's really a large creek and i was surprised up in the mountains we were catching uh 14 to 16 inch rainbows large, those are large fish i know yeah. but my son luke caught one that was 17 and I think my son Ben caught uh, one or so that were sixteen. But isn't
1: he mathematically challenged? So would that measurement really be more like fifteen (laughs) inches? Yeah, yeah,
0: that's right. That could be. Yeah, that's right. Now he claims he he has a he has a little uh, tape measure. So Mm -hmm. bummer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. But but I I should look at that tape measure. Yes, exactly. Oh man. But I I was kind of surprised by that. I think the other thing was that that nothing happened between noon and 5 unless there were clouds and rain and and while that might seem typical when i fished there before all you had to do was throw on an attractor pattern and you would just catch scads of 10 to 12 inch fish and and there were a ton of fish in there i know that because a few times when it rained i mean the water would just start boiling and and it's like man there're trout all over this place but you know if if it, if there were no clouds or rain even even when you know I, I usually did well before in the afternoon on on uh attractor patterns there was just nothing. Uh you know I noticed too that there were a couple of runs this is so typical. A Couple of runs in in this river. It's a free stone river and there were some that weren't as deep or as productive as before which you know we've talked about that it always happens. I mean runs every change. Yeah, spring Sometimes, I know they had a lot of moisture this year, and so I think the runoff was a little bit uh, heavier at times, and so things, uh, things changed maybe a little bit more noticeably than, uh, than they did in the past. Was it
1: and, noticeably lower or about the
0: same? <clears throat> Actually, it was a little bit higher, I think, huh. with, with all the water they've had. That it makes was, sense. Yeah, it was a little higher than it, it usually was, at, but yet it was, it was very, very fishable. So I, I know that we've said that before, but it's just something that uh, uh, just something that happens that you just have to be aware of. That Every time you go out from year to year, in this case it's been a couple of years, yeah, things really do change.
1: So our final, well actually it's not our final point, it's our penultimate. Is that how you say it? Penultimate? Yeah, that's impressive. The point yeah. before the final point yeah. uh, is to try something new. And I was thinking about euro nimping. In fact... As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I I had a day to myself, so I wasn't fishing with anyone. I thought, you know, I'm gonna run up to the Poudre River west of Fort Collins and maybe even go into the Laramie River, which is farther west and kind of northwest. And last minute I said not to do that for various reasons, But I really intended to to Euro Nymph. So I'd purchased these longer leaders and I didn't purchase a ten foot two weight rod. I thought, you know, I can just do it with my nine foot rod because, you know, so much of of Euro Nymphing is these short casts. So you're you're just and you you're not using any line at all. And so I thought, you know, I need to practice this. I'm gonna go do this up at the Fall River. Well, I I intended to do it the pooter, but then decided to go to the Fall River. But once I got there you know the river just the creek just doesn't allow for that. There's just not a good. It's just not a nymphing right. place. Yeah. it's really a dry fly fishery. So I did though tie on this flying ant, this parachute flying ant, like I like a Euro nymph. So with Euro nymphing, you tie your heavier fly at the bottom. Okay, and then you tie off another fly, maybe two to three, maybe a foot to two foot, depending on your tippet, on the tag end of where you have your tippet. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mhm. And so it was really different. So my bigger fly which was the stimulator was at the end and then you had this p- smaller parachute flying ant that was actually in front of it. Interesting. It, it huh. just it's just a different sensation. So you yeah. watch you cast it out there and you're still looking at your final fly which is the big fly. But every so often i get strikes mm. on that parachute flying ant and it was it was <laughs> It, huh. I just had to make adjustments because I realized, oh, and you, you're, I set the hook late on almost every one of those strikes, but it was just, it was trying something new, a different way to tie on that second mm. fly, and I actually liked it, and I thought, you know, I'm going to do this more often, mm. and so I really enjoyed it. I really yeah. enjoyed the chance to try something new.
0: You know, maybe along with that, it's just kind of a reminder just to keep trying new flies. I, I get kind of stuck in a rut, but. I have to say, you're really good at that, Dave, and, and my son, Luke, I just noticed, too, he kept changing flies and adjusting, and at one point, uh, there were some caddis on the water, but he, he said, Dad, there's a, there, there's some green drakes, and he switched to a green drake pattern, and boom, he caught a couple really wow. nice ones, and I realized, I, I think I need to do more. Uh, I, I can be kind of stubborn, and, and um, you know they're going to take this irresistible. Well, no, they're not. They're going to take this caddis pattern. Well, no, they're not, so you, you do have to switch.
1: That's so actually that's... was my problem when I was fishing the Roaring Fork, right? I had that H&L on. I thought, ah, I'm too lazy to put this, to change flies. I probably should have changed to a small caddis. I probably would have caught fish. But anyway, I did not, and so I came back down and caught a bunch more uh, on the Fall River.
0: Well, here's a final lesson that we... That we kind of learned, and I guess it's this be gracious to people who think they wrote the book on etiquette. Now, I'm Uh-oh, there's a yeah, story there, here. There's a story here. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I'm i big into etiquette, I think it's really important, but I, I guess I just realized again some people's uh idea of etiquette is just flat out selfish, it's almost uh, <laughs> yeah, selfishness in reverse. So, this is something that happened to my son Ben and his wife, and Ben is a, man, he's a really good fly fisher, great athlete, and, and he's taught his wife to fly fish. i tell you what, she is really good. I was watching her cast, it's like, man, I can't believe that, you know, this is only her third or fourth time fly fishing. She really handles awesome. the fly rod well. So anyway, we're at this camp, we walk across the road, and this is, it's a dirt road that comes up, you know, into this mountain valley, and in fact... Uh, some of the cabins we stayed in were the very ones that the crew of a river runs through. It stayed because they oh, filmed. That's awesome. Yeah, they filmed part of it right there on the on the boulder. So anyway, they walk across the river, and there was another fly fisher in a run that they were going to fish. So, uh, and, and my son's very thoughtful about this. So he said, "All right, let's move up, and we'll give this fly fisher two additional runs." So they started fishing and before long this fly fisher came up and he said the fly fisher was nice, but fly fisher said, So, where are you guys from? Are you new to fly fishing? My son said, Yeah, you know, we're 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 from Illinois, I used to live in Bozeman and, and I think he said, Yeah, my wife's just learning to fly fish, and the fly fisher said, Well, you know, I just need to tell you that the etiquette is that you you know, I was planning on working these two holes and you you know, you need to give, you know, fly fishers, a, you know, enough room and space. And my son was more gracious than I would have been. And he said, oh, well, yeah, we're, we're sorry. We didn't mean to get in your space. But he also didn't leave because he told me, and I, this is what I would have told this fly fishers, look, we're very well aware of etiquette. You know, you're fishing, you're working a run. We gave you two more good runs. So we went up above that, and all you have to do is overlap us and go up above uh, us. Yeah, and I guess the question is, well, well what's etiquette? Is it two runs, five runs, quarter leave of a the mile, river? Is that it? Half a mile? Yeah. yeah, come on. I mean, yeah, I, I thought that was uh, that's uh, snarky. It is, and I thought, okay, this is a person who wanted to fish those three specific runs, and I thought, no, that's that's a lack of etiquette. I think is to to try to pull the etiquette card on somebody who's given you room
1: yeah so i i wouldn't have been so generous i mean he would not have said that to me without some sort of like
0: oh man i wish i would have been there (laughs) if that happened to you
1: man i I, I, I am so (laughs) careful with other fly fishers when it (laughs) comes to etiquette Mm -hmm. because one it's part of the sport but i don't tolerate people who are snarky no at all yeah yeah, that's, that would not have gone well <laughs> no, for me.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're we're all for etiquette, but I, I guess this fly fisher thought they they wrote the book on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's a great story. I love yeah, that story. Isn't that something? So, well, I guess we could summarize all of this by borrowing and twisting a line from a Billy Currington country song from about a decade ago. I guess what we've learned this summer is that God is great, dry fly fishing is good, and people are crazy.
1: <laughs> that is so what, what great. You say? That is so great. For those of you who don't know the song, it's, yeah, it's it goes something like, like God, God is g- good, beer is no God is
0: great, beer is good, and people are crazy. Yeah, exactly. So. That,
1: what a great song.
0: Oh man All right. hilarious. Well, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's Roger's response to our podcast on fly fishing on a family vacation. He said, we just returned from a fly fishing vacation for 10 days. Had a great time, but the one thing I learned is that I don't deal with altitude as well as I used to. We live at sea level and going up 11,000 feet in one day wasn't Whoa. fun. <laughs> In the future when we do this, we are building in days to acclimate.
1: I don't know that even being younger would've changed that. That's no, a no big change. No,
0: it wouldn't. I, I remember when I used to go to Estes Park, even when I was in high school, even even though we were coming from central Illinois and I had been there for three years in a row, I mean that first day
1: That's brutal. You
0: bend over to tie your shoes and you think, Man, I'm gonna pass out. What's going on? And <laughs> You know, and we had hiked up to Long's Peak, which is fourteen thousand two hundred fifty-six, or maybe now it grew. I think in the last geological survey. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, especially if you're going to Colorado, you know that's a funny thing. In Montana, the mountains aren't as high. Yeah, the the relief
1: is different. Yeah, the
0: the relief might be about the same. In other words, that the mountains you're looking, you're standing in a valley floor, and the mountains are five thousand feet higher than you are, but. In Montana, you're standing at 4,500 feet looking at 9,000-foot peaks. That's where, right. Yeah, in Colorado, you're at 8,600 feet looking at 12 and 13,000-foot peaks. And So, yeah, if you're going to Colorado especially, uh, you do have to factor in uh, altitude. It's a big issue. Yeah, just like big the issue. people who are teams that play the
1: Broncos. Oh,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Mile-high stadium, it's, it's an adjustment. Well, that's going to do it for today. What new lessons about dry fly fishing have you learned this season? Please tell us by commenting on this podcast link at twoguysinarever.com. Is there anything you've learned about dry fly fishing this season that
1: might be helpful for the rest of us? And thank you for referring our podcast. That is the most significant way that we have grown over the last several years. Yes, it is just keep doing it it's like the single thing that you can do to help us refer to your tu chapter if you have a fly fishing club your spouse your friends Uh, It's just simply how we have grown, and I just can't say how much we're grateful for your trust. We'd also love to hear your ideas for podcast episodes. In fact, one of our upcoming podcast episodes comes directly from one of our listeners, and so reach out to us on Instant Messenger, Instagram, or on Twitter. And one more thing, if you haven't yet purchased our book, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish, you can find that book on Amazon.
0: Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson.
1: And I'm Dave Getz.
0: Until next time, we are Two Guys in a
1: River. For the love of dry fly fishing. Yes.